Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God's saying he wanting us to love each other and wanting us to be mindful of the fact that my attention can't be so much on somebody else and what they are or are not doing that I forget that I live before God, that I'm going to stand before him at the Bema Seat Judgment, that I'm going to give account to him for my life, that primarily I'm even working on my walk with the Lord for me and loving you. Walk with God for yourself. If you're going to have conviction, have it toward the Lord. If you're going to be transformed, changed, or let God do that for you and then love everybody else, love other people. What is the best way to share the gospel? In today's edition of A Transforming Word, Pastor Bill talks about how the most effective way to share God's word is to be an example of his love. God gave the ultimate sacrifice by sending his son and became the epitome of what love looks like. The story of salvation is how God's ultimate example of love has transformed your own life. As we go out and share the gospel, be the example of his love because his love is what saves people. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 14 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I'll be a better Christian focused on me and the Lord than I will be focused on you and the Lord. That you can't become my focus. I can be a brother to you. I can encourage you in the word. I can point you in a direction. I can't live for you, so I can't get involved beyond that point. I have to back off and say, let me continue to make sure I'm walking with the Lord. So maybe you've been stumbled in that area. Maybe you've overemphasized someone else and they've caused you to become distracted to your own walk. Today for you should be a day where you put the focus back on you. You know what? I'm going to focus on my walk with the Lord. I'm going to pray for them, but I'm going to focus on my walk with the Lord because I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. And understand the people you worried about won't be there. It's going to be you and the Lord. That's a one-on-one meeting. When I stand before the Lord, no one else will be there. I don't get to bring my wife or kids or friends or family or church members. Just me. Giving an account for me, for the Lord. And so that's sobering. That's why I think it's important to spend time with God alone. Because in those times you spend with God alone that you're reminded that this is really between me and the Lord. This is intimate. It's a one-on-one relationship. I may fellowship with some other people and we may enjoy him together, but primarily, this is me and the Lord. We got. I'm, I'm in a one-on-one relationship with the living God. And we don't want to lose sight of that. Look at verse 11 now. It says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. This is a quotation from Isaiah 45, 23. And it's a reminder. The Lord said, as I live, everybody's going to bow to me. Everybody's going to be subject to me, bow to me at some point. Everyone's going to bow to me and every tongue's going to confess to God. Similar to what we see in Philippians. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so even when I look at this and I'm looking at the fact that every knee is going to bow. Nobody. Right. Everybody's going to humble them. What it does, it puts every believer in this humble position before God. So this is why I believe this is here. Why is he reminding me that one day we're all going to be humble on our knees before the Lord so that we would be humble before the Lord now? Right. That I would humble myself before the Lord. Now, when I think of even as we're going to celebrate communion, when I think of the cross and everybody here is a sinner and everybody here needed what Jesus did on the cross, who gets to come to the cross in pride? Nobody. We all come humbly to the cross. We all come sorry. We all come broken. We all come knowing that we have guilt. We all come knowing that he did for me what I could never do for myself. Everybody shows up at the cross humble. And so we want to keep that. That's why God tells us to do this regularly. Have communion. Remember 
how you got to come before me. Remember what I did for you, that I'm the big deal, right? You're the needy one. I'm the provision. It's not the other way around. I haven't somehow become the provision. I'm not a big deal. Jesus is the big deal. And sometimes we start feeling like we're a big deal, but we're not. And so we want to keep that in mind, that Jesus is the big deal. And to keep us humble. It'll keep us in a right perspective. Uh, it'll keep me in a worshipful attitude. It'll keep me humble in my heart. And from humility, we can minister better to other people in need too. Right? When I'm humbled in my own brokenness, I'm in a better place to minister to somebody else that's struggling. You do it in humility. You do it in gentleness. Moving on, look at verse 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So here we go. We're getting, we're getting kind of to the resolution of everything. He says, all right, so we've concluded that we're all going to give an account of ourselves to God. It's really a personal thing between us and God. So then in love for each other, let's make sure that we don't judge one another anymore and that we don't put a stumbling block, right? I don't want to spend my time judging, condemning you and, you know, putting you aside because we don't agree on some non-essential. Notice these are not sin issues. Again, these are non-essential things. And I also want to make sure that I don't put a stumbling block in front of you. What does he mean by that? Well, we talked about two things. We talked about the eating. And so it would be like this. If I have someone that they're the weaker brother and they just I don't do meat. I just the way they do the cows. Do you see those? They send you the videos and they say they're killing the chickens. And I've had people do this to me. You know, I don't, pastor, I don't know. I mean, look at how they treat the animals. They abuse them and they kill them. And they, I know. I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, if I can afford a farm fresh, I get a farm fresh, you know. But, they, you know, if they come to my house and they so I'm because of this, I'm vegetarian. And these people come to my house. They're my brother and sister in Christ. And they come to my house. and They feel strongly about these things. It would be wrong. For me to be like, hey, come out to the barbecue pit. Let me show you. Let me show you what I got out there on this thing. Well, I got some some chicken legs, some rib tip, and it would be wrong. It would be unloving at that point. I would stumble him. So if they're coming over, the loving thing to do would be, you know what? Let, let's let's get a vegan recipe and like just bless them. Let's make some good old, you know. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, let's do some good old vegan something. You know, I'm gonna get on the internet and find a go a good vegan meal. You know. That would be more loving than to say, I'm going to just do me. You know, that would be that's loving them. That's not I'm not I don't want to stumble you at my house. So y'all came over. We, we, we love Jesus together. So if, it's, if I eat one meal of this, I have some ribs when you go home. But we're going to eat this vegan meal together and I'm not going to put a cause of stumbling in front of you. That's really what we're being called upon to do. Just love each other. Love somebody enough to realize that, you know, what that would might be offensive. So I'm going to remove that. Or I'm not going to do that. So it's not a matter of I don't have to, but in love for them and recognizing that that's just how they get down. That's what they are. It don't make them unsaved. I'm going to just put my suit on and go over there and preach the word. Right. It would be unloving for me to insist upon my own. way. I'm going to go over there and just do what I do. That wouldn't be loving to them. These aren't sin issues. Right. These are irrelevant things. This, I could do it or not do it. So that's what God is calling upon us that um, and if you can get the heart of the chapter, God just saying, would you guys love each other more? Love each other, care about one, like, like genuinely, deeply be concerned for the Christians and the people around you. If this is your church home, this, these are the believers that God has put around you. Like, like, think about that. Write names down some Sundays. Do I love these people? Because, you know, love is not an emotion. Love is active. It's an action. And it's a choice. Right. I get that. I choose who I love. Love is not a feeling. It's not as like I fell in love. I felt that's bogus. There are people that you just going to choose to love. 
So any parent here that got a bad kid, you're just choosing to love them. Some of you grandparents, you got some grandkids that are, woo, but you just love them. Because this, this, this is your grandkid. It's a choice. You would, nobody else's kid could do that. But, but yours, your grandkid. It's my grandkid, you know. That's a, I know that scream anywhere, you know. I hear it all the time, you know. You just love yours because that's family. And you just put up with some extra stuff and you bear with it because you love them. God is saying, can y'all do that for each other? Just, you're going to bear with it. It's so many different personalities here, you guys. It's outgoing people, quiet people, you know, sensitive people, you know, hard people, you know, funny people, dull people, all you name it. They're all, we're all wrapped up in here together. And God said, can y'all just love each other? That would bless me if you guys with in genuineness of heart just love each other, care for one another. That's what he's calling upon us to do. And then notice that, and we'll see it, he's calling upon us to do for each other what he's done for us, right? Didn't he love me when I was unlovely? Of course, yes, he did. We, know, we learned that in Romans 5, 8. He loved the unloveliness in me, took me anyway. Hasn't he been putting up with me the whole time? Yes, and he's glad to do so. So God said, y'all do that for each other? Just love each other, put up with each other. Be patient, be gentle. You know, be in prayer for, you know, do the right things for people that are struggling. And then we won't be some weird church that's all stumbled over all these little minute things. You did that. You let your kid do that. And it's like I'm telling you, church people are sometimes the worst people. Just be, we be tearing We tear each other apart. I got friends that do Christian music. The people that attack them the most are other Christians. I don't think you should have did that one interview, that one place, because I think he, it was, you know, I think it was worldly. So how you he, they even, he even did nothing wrong yet. They just judge him, you know, just because he's doing it there. I think he the world got him, you know, and ain't praying for him, ain't lifting him up to the Lord. That's what Christians do. They do that to one another like that. And I, I look at it and I think, man, that's, that's heartbreaking because I know the world is looking in saying, why would I want to be a part of that? They devouring each other. So. We can't do anything about, I can't do nothing about the whole world of Christians. Man, don't be that one. Don't be that person. Don't be that Christian that's nitpicking your brother or your sister. That's assuming the worst instead of assuming the best. Because love, one of the characteristics of love is that it believes the best. I will believe the best about you until you show me otherwise. Right? I'm not going to ever assume the worst. That's why with husbands and wives, you know, if you love your wife, husbands, you're not going to assume, where were you at? What were you doing? What you, why are you asking me like that? You know what I'm saying? Where you think I was? I was at Target, you know, getting you some deodorizer or whatever, you know. We're just going to believe the best first. And, and until you're shown otherwise, that's love. Love says, I mean, I don't have any reason to believe otherwise. I just believe the best about you right now. Now, if you have shown otherwise, that's your fault. And you got to deal with that. <laughs> so, but, uh, but if you, you know, that's love, right? We just believe the best. And we should do that with other people, other Christians. They shouldn't have to earn my approval first. It's like, well, I barely met you, but you're a brother, brother in Christ. I'm a brother in Christ. Like, I'm gonna love you like a brother, you know. Unless I see something otherwise, I'm a, we gonna receive that and love you and believe the best about you, you know. Unless you show something different, so that's loving one another. Let's move on. So we can wrap this up. So we're not gonna put a stumbling block in our brother's way. Verse 14. I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers. Anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. And so that's what we spoke about. That just be, Don't be just unloving and throw ribs down in front of them. That, that, don't destroy him for whom Christ died because of your food. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. Verse 17, this is a key verse. 
For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what is the kingdom? It's not even about these peripheral eating and drinking. What is it about? Righteousness, which comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Peace from God. Peace with God that comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Joy that comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, which God has given to every single believer. God said, if you let those things be the focus, righteousness, I mean, righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit, I mean, what what you going to fight over in that scenario? God, that's what the kingdom of God is about. When y'all come together, celebrate the righteousness that I've made available to you. Celebrate that. Talk about that together. Forget about what you eat for dinner and what they ate for lunch and what day you worshiped on. When you get together, talk about this. Talk about how you became righteous through Jesus Christ. You can celebrate that together. Talk about how you have peace with God now because of what God has done. Talk about the internal joy that God has made available to you because of his work in your life. Talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in you that's transforming you from the inside out. And in that, there'll be positive cause for good fellowship among believers. Moving from there, verse 18, for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. So what are we pursuing and going after? We're going after pursuing the things which make for peace and the things that are going to be edifying to one another. I'm I'm not pursuing an argument. This is what you'll find with your legalistic people. They're in pursuit of a debate. They're asking lead questions to get you in a debate. That's why the Calvinists, they, they're just, hey, bro, what do you believe about this, brother? And it's like, man, yeah, Jesus, you know, get off me with that, man. Like, but, you know, they're, they're pursuing the debate and the argument. God says, look, don't pursue that. Pursue peace. Pursue the things that will bring edification. Verse 20, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. So even though it's, you got liberty to eat whatever you want, if you do it in an offensive way, if you offend your brother to do it, now it becomes a sin because you, you're not loving your brother and how you handle that. Verse 21, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. That's also key. God said, look, if there's something you're doing that's going to stumble other people, don't do it. It's a bigger deal that you that you don't stumble people. I've told you guys many times my stance on alcohol here. Right. Is it a sin? Is is, is it a sin for me to have a beer? No, it's not. Bible says don't be given. Don't be don't be addicted. Don't be given too much. It would not be a sin per se for me to go and have a beer. But I just realize this. Right. If I know for a fact, if I have a beer, I'm a leader. I'm an example. For me, it would be a sin because that was a previous addiction. So I'm in a different category when it comes to that. So I'm not to touch it. That's that's God's word to me personally. But biblically speaking, it's not a sin to have a drink. It's a sin to get drunk, sin to get buzzed. That's a sin. But now I know for a fact, if I open that door, but I say, I'm going to do it, that there'll be a group of people behind me say, well, Pastor can do it. Shoot. If he can have one, I can have six. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you walk, you stroll in the chilies and see me throwing back when you're like, word, praise the Lord, you know. I'll be, we'll be all slushy around. I'll ruin this place, you know. So even for that reason, now, for you guys that know my youngest son, that, that guy wants to do whatever I do. Whatever I do, he wants to do it. I would ruin him having a beer. See him this morning, he was begging for a cup of coffee. Why? Because I drink a cup of coffee in the morning. 
right? Just copying. He's a, I mean, what I do, he's going to copy. I would ruin that kid having a beer at home, exercising my liberty. Because then he would, you know, he would, couldn't wait. To, he could, can I have a sip? Can I have some? That's what, that's what, that's what would happen, right? I own that. I'm responsible. I want to leave a, I want to leave a good trail. I didn't get that trail laid out for me. I got the other trail and I followed it and it wrecked me. And then Jesus took me off of it. I'm not leaving that for somebody else. So recognize too that my liberty, if my liberty is going to cause anybody to stumble, God said love says, Paul said, look, if I'll never eat meat again if it's going to stumble you guys, right? If it's going to bother you for me to eat meat, I'll become a vegan with you, right? I love you that much. And so we want to make sure there's nothing we're doing. I'll love you more. I'll love the body of Christ more. I'll love Jesus more than to do something that's going to make somebody else stumble in their relationship with him. When it comes to my liberty, I don't want to use my liberty in a way that's harmful to other people. And so we want to be cautious, right? We have liberty as Christians. We're not making this biblical law, but we're saying like, I, I, I can do that if I want to. But I don't think it would be the best call. Like, I don't think that's wisdom. I don't think that's going, that's not going to be the best look for me. That's not going to be the most helpful thing I can do for the people that look up to me. And so there are things that are just off the radar. They're off the list. Not because God said I can't, but because I recognize that's not going to be good. I know where I minister and I know who I minister to. I know the background that I come from. I know the devastation of some of these things. I don't want to have any hand in somebody feeling like, well, you know, I want to do that, too. I want to exercise. that. I, I, I want somebody. If you want to follow my example, follow my example away from it. Well, we all be better off. So. That's my call on those things. Look at the last two verses, 22 and 23. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. And he's speaking here back of your conscience, right? That there's not something you're doing that you're condemned in your heart over it. That you know that for me, I'm not supposed to be doing this, but I'm doing it. He says, happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. That your conscience is clear before the Lord. And the last verse, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not of faith is sin. And once again, we're dealing here with things that aren't necessarily a sin issue, but things that God has dealt with you on. Anybody here have things that they're not a sin, but God told you don't do it no more? Anybody have things like that? All right. I'm not going to ask you to say them. I do. I have things that God showed me along the way, like don't do that no more. Right. That became a weight. And for you, it's a sin now. It's not a sin for anybody else. I never preach on it. But there are things that God said for me, don't, you can't do that no more. Why? No, you can't do it. Because it's, it's not good for you. It's not good for us. not good for me and you. And so for me, now if I go partake of it, nobody else would know. Y'all don't know it's a sin for me to do it. But God says for you, anything that's not a faith is sin. Anything I can't say, I feel led by God. I'm doing this in faith. God said then for you, it's sin. If you got a check in your spirit, if you feel convicted about it, if, if the Holy Spirit is internally saying, don't do it, you don't have peace. I'm not letting you have peace because I don't want you to do it. And you step on over and do it anyway. God said, you're going to feel bad. You're going to feel real bad. And you're going to feel bad till you stop it. And so, you know, there are a few areas in my walk with the Lord where God has said, these are things that, that, that you can't do. And, you know, so it would be bad for you. And I heed those things. Some of y'all have heard, I, I had, my wife and I, when I was still in my, in, at the other church, we had um. The whole wall where now we, we later put a TV up, but I didn't have a TV in the house. And uh, we had a, a whole wall was my fish tank. And that was my that was my hobby. I had spiritualized my hobby. I say, hey, these are creations from God. And that was a saltwater <laughs> reef tank. And, you know, this, it was expensive. Every payday I was like, Skirt. 
to the fish store, buy me some things, sit them in the water. I was reading books on it and learning how to keep the things alive and how to set up the different climates and everything else. I was getting into it. And one day, and this is me let y'all in my private world, but whenever I go to the bathroom, I take my Bible because it's, it's a quiet place. Nobody bothers me there. I get it in. And one day, instead of taking my Bible, I was kind of in the middle of reading some of that stuff from my fish book, and I took my fish book. And my wife, super smooth, she did this. Doors closed, I'm sitting in there, and my wife just, she just opens the door and sits in my Bible there and closes the door. And when I looked at my Bible, yeah, yeah. I looked at my Bible and I was like, mm, ah, you know. Dang, you know, and I, I did. I took it apart. I, you know, I moped for a minute. I, I took all the fish to the store and got nothing for them and put it up on Craigslist and sold it. And it was like, I can't do a fish tank. I, I get into it too much. God, you can't have a hobby. This is what you're supposed to be into. You're supposed to be into me. And so that was for me. Now, is it a sin if you got an aquarium? No. Do I want you to feel bad about it today? No. If I come over your house and I see it, I'm going to be like, how much time do you spend on your fish tank? <laughs> Nah, you might be just fine. You might still do devotions. You might not be like me. I was, I'm the one that did that, right? So for me, no can do. For you, man, have your Nemo's. You know, swim away. So this is the, if I summarize everything we looked at in chapter 14, I, I really hear above everything else, God saying, he wanting us to love each other and wanting us to be mindful of the fact that my attention can't be so much on somebody else and what they are or are not doing that I forget that I live before God, that I'm going to stand before him at the Bema Seat judgment, that I'm going to give account to him for my life, that primarily I'm working on my walk with the Lord for me and loving you. Walk with God for yourself. If you're going to have conviction, have it toward the Lord. If you're going to be transformed, changed, or let God do that for you and then love everybody else, love other people. Let God do his work in your life. And again, these are all over non-essentials. This is not, we won't take this same approach and say, well, if I'm watching my brother in sin, well, I'm just going to focus on myself and let him be. That wouldn't be love, right? If I start sinning, best believe I got some brothers in my life that are going to get in my business because I know better and they're going to talk to me about it. And if I act up, my wife got three numbers to call. These are three people. These are call and tell, you know, <laughs> I got the same relationship with some other pastors. If they act up, their wives have permission. They, we all the wives have our numbers. And if I get a call from one of these dudes' wives, I know they messed up. Ooh, they messed up bad, too. <laughs> they don't call. This ain't for nothing, you know? One of my, my buddy in Jersey wife called one time, and I was like, oh, no. I'm thinking, like, what do he do? But she was setting up a surprise party for him. I was like, Worried about him, you know? But um, that's the relationship, that there are people that, you know, we still help each other out in these things, but we're not walking in judgment. And we don't want to become that kind of church that is majoring in the minors, that is looking at little peripheral things. Oh, you got a tattoo? Mm. Mm. Please don't become that place. Please don't be the, pe the people that behave like that. Be careful about your convictions making them God's convictions. God's convictions are written and we can speak them. I don't have to say I feel. I can say thus it says. Turn to this verse. There's a big difference between I feel and God said. So we want to be careful in how we represent the Lord to other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word to us. That, God, all this liberty that we speak about, God, has been provided to us by you. Uh, Lord, the fact that we're not in bondage to rules and laws and regulations and all these, all the things that the old covenant believers were under. It's as a result of what you have done for us. 
And Lord, we are thankful today. God, we're thankful that you love sinners. Thankful, Lord, that you paid the price that we could be saved. And also, God, that you would draw to yourself those that may be here today that need to surrender their hearts and surrender their lives to you. And so we give you this time where we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Buffington on a transforming word as he works his way through the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul dove into the mysteries of faith in this letter to the church in Rome, drawing on the rich history found in the Old Testament. He looks back to the faith of Abraham, which was counted to him as righteousness. This is what he had to say about the patriarch in chapter 4, verses 20 to 21. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Since we get to participate in the righteousness that comes through faith, let's set our hearts and minds on the power of God to do everything he had promised. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us today. There's so much more that Paul gave us through the letter to the Romans, from deep theology to practical instructions on how to live. You won't want to miss a message, and we've made it easy for you to stay connected through Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. But we also have a free mobile app with access to our messages. To find out, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Look under the media tab to find a plethora of messages in our mobile app. While you're on the website, take a look around. We have a lot more available to you, including a daily Bible reading plan. Well, we're out of time for today, but we'll see you here next time, where we will again bring you a transforming word.